Hello and welcome to the New Hope Church podcast. Don't forget to check us out online at www.newhopechurch.tv. And we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy. All right, all right. I want to welcome you to New Hope Church. Uh, I have been praying for you, that you would be part of our gathering today. And I know that, you know, these are very different times that we're living in. It's a very different kind of a service for us as a church. And uh, a lot of us are isolated on a regular basis. But even though we're we're uh, kind of homebound right now for the most part, and we are isolated from other believers and from other people, we don't have to be spiritually isolated. Uh, keep on, keep on, keeping on getting together with us. And uh, I, by the way, I want to say uh, Easter last week was amazing and awesome. I couldn't be more thankful for you because a lot of you really pushed out the word that we were having Easter services. And we had like, you know, in that day, we had 32,000 plus views on all of our platforms of people watching the Easter service, which is amazing. A, f- a friend of mine who calculates these kinds of things says that that probably means between eight and like 24,000 people watched our services, which is great. It's more than we've ever had join us for Easter before. So even though it's very different, God is using the time in which we live to continue to reach people for, for his name's sake. So Thank you for inviting and continue to do so. Let's, let's continue as people are looking for answers in their lives. Let's continue to invite people to be a part of our church with us. I also want to say, I know Pastor Mike's already said this, but I'm going to say it again. Thank you givers. Thank you givers. And uh, those of you who give are keeping this church on our feet and keeping us moving forward. And I appreciate that. Uh, thank you. Thank you to those of you who are praying for folks on, on social media, on, on YouTube and on uh, Facebook. And, and by the way, on YouTube and Facebook, you can go into the chat section. You can tell us where you're watching from. And if you do have a prayer request, you can put it out there. Other folks, please greet people as they arrive in church today. Let them know that we love the fact that they're here and uh, that we're praying for them, those who need prayer requests today or who make a prayer request today. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to begin a study on uh, on the, the, the greatest letter I believe ever written, maybe the greatest letter ever written. And what I'm talking about is a letter in the New Testament called the Book of Romans. Uh, we, we call it the Book of Romans, but it is actually a letter uh, to the, the Roman church. And the influence of this letter cannot be overstated. I mean, a powerful, powerful word. And we're gonna spend some quality time in this in this book, in this letter. In fact, for the next dozen weeks or so on Sundays, we're gonna work our way through this book because there's so much here on a variety of different subjects. And there's no way, no way that even though we're gonna spend some time in here, uh, many weeks in here really, about a dozen or so weeks, there's no way to get to everything on Sunday morning. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna read through the book of Romans in our 8 a.m. devotional. Speaking of, I wanna invite you to our devotionals, 8 a.m. You can find us on our website, newhopechurch.tv, if you're not aware of this. And uh, we, we stream on both YouTube and Facebook, and that's where you can chat with other people and can put prayer requests there every single day. We've been doing this. We've been doing this Monday through Saturday, 8 a.m., uh, as a way to help 
people in this pandemic and in times of isolation. And, uh, and so beginning tomorrow, what we're going to do is we're going to start reading through the 16 chapters of the book of Romans. You don't have to wait on us. You can go ahead and begin reading it. By my calculations, if we spend a few minutes each day reading this letter, um, it's going to sound real long, but we should be finished by about May 20th, by about May 20th, which is about a month away from now. <clears throat> if all goes as planned. And it's not that it's that long of a book. It's not, you could probably read it in less than an hour if you, if, you, if you just sit down and read it, probably less than that. It's only 16 chapters long, but we're gonna read a little section at a time and make comments on it as we go. So we can just go a little bit deeper throughout the week, Monday through Saturday. And uh, uh, then, then when we're, we get to May 20th and get through the book, we'll see where we are in this current crisis. We may make some devotional adjustments after that, depending on what is needed. But I would encourage you to start the day with us. And as I keep on saying, we're going to make it through this. We're going to make it through this. We're going to make it through this. But the best way to make it through this is together, together. So back when I was 23-ish, um, I read two books on the book of Romans, two books back-to-back uh, -back on the book of Romans. And, and one of them has long since disappeared. And I can't remember the name of it for sure, but I've Googled it, trying to find it. And best of my knowledge, it wasn't that popular of a book, which may be why it has disappeared. But to the best of my recollection, the name of the book was The Radical Christian Life. The Radical Christian Life. So I read that book, set it aside, picked up another book, which was, was called The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. Now, both of them were on the same subject. This the subject that we're on, uh, the book of Romans. Both of them, uh, not word for word studies, but both of them written from the vantage point of the book of Romans. But they were two very different takes. One was The Radical Christian Life. The other was the normal Christian life. One of them said, wow, you know, when you live like this, it's so radical. It's a radical way to live and everything is radical. And the other one said, actually, uh, when you, as a Christian, when you live a life that is different, what you're doing is you're being a normal Christian. It's not a radical Christian. You're just a normal Christian. I, I tend to agree with the second take that uh, uh, when you live a very different life as a believer, it's not radical. It's normal. That's what we're supposed to do. And I know from my own experience that in my lifetime, I've been in places where I, I don't, I don't fit in. I just don't fit in because of my beliefs. And, you know, other places has been, my language is different. Other places has been, uh, my decisions are based on a, on a different set of values than everybody else that is around me at that moment. Uh, the way I treat people is supposed to be different from other folks, the way the people of the world would treat other people is supposed to come from a place of selflessness, not a, a place of looking for what I can gain from other people. In other words, Christians are different and that's actually normal. That's the normal Christian life. And what we're going to see as we study through this book of Romans or this letter of Romans is not only the how and the why we're supposed to live differently, but most importantly, where the power to be saved comes from and that, that same power that enables us to live differently. So, so uh, let's learn from God's word. And I, I know we will, and I pray that you will. I pray that you'll take this heart. I pray that you'll study along with us. Now, anytime that we do uh, a series and we want to go through a book, we ask these five questions. Who wrote it? To whom was it written? 
when was it written, why was it written, and what's the main message? And honestly, just being honest as a pastor here, I would like to just start here and get to this because I know this stuff right here, so I'd like to just get here and just preach the main message. But the truth is, we need to, if we're gonna understand the book and we're gonna understand the writings that are in this letter, it helps us to know the context. And once we know the context and we can see why what was said was said or what was written was written and therefore it can help us grow in our faith as it did the people that it was written to. And that's what I want for you, my church family and anybody else who's watching. I want us all to grow in our faith. I want you to grow, grow, grow. And we can grow. Even in a pandemic, even when it's tough, and as you're gonna say, it was tough for these people to whom this book was written, even when we might be struggling personally, as some of these folks were struggling personally, God can do something in us even while bad things are happening to us. God can do something good in us even while bad things are happening to us. But first, let's, let's get to the context. Who wrote this letter. If you guess the Apostle Paul, you are correct. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter. For those of you who don't know, Paul was probably the greatest man who lived since Jesus Christ. He was an influential man. Uh, today, there are over a billion Christians in the world. And a lot of that is because a guy named Paul single-handedly took the gospel all across the Roman Empire and started churches all around the Mediterranean Sea. He was the most influential man in human history other than Jesus. Now, technically, uh, Romans was authored by Paul, but the actual handwriting, the person who wrote it down, was not Paul. It was written by a guy named Tertius. And you can see this in Romans chapter 16, verse 22. It says, I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you, in the Lord. So if you were on Jeopardy and Alex said, uh, for $200, the writer of the letter of Romans found in the New Testament, and you said, boop, 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 who is Tertius? You might, you, you, might, you might win $200, I guess. But the words are Paul's words given to him by the Holy Spirit and, and, and written down by Tertius and useful for us 2,000 years later. Now, more than likely, this letter was written while Paul was in Corinth, and we can guess that because the very next verse, uh, verse 23, Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. So a guy named Gaius, Gaius is a, is a Christian businessman, and uh, he lived in Corinth. And the, the way that uh, he says it, that uh, Tertius wrote it down here, uh, it's almost as if he's, he was in the kitchen cooking or something. He leans back and says, hey, hey, Paul, tell him I said hello. And so Paul dictated to Tertius and Tertius wrote, Gaius sends you his greetings. So the letter was authored uh, by Paul, written by Tertius from Corinth. But to whom is he writing this letter? He's writing this letter to the church in Rome, the church in Rome. Now, there are already Christians in Rome. And maybe those Christians were uh, Christian converts because some of them were in the crowd on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And uh, if you've ever read Acts, in Acts chapter 2, it says, uh, on the day of Pentecost, that devout Jews from all over the world were gathered together in one place in Jerusalem. And that's when the church started, man. That's when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples. They went out and started preaching in different languages. The people heard in their own languages and accepted Christ. And about 3,000 people were baptized that day. And and maybe some of these folks who now live in Rome were there in Jerusalem on that day and they took that message of Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected to Rome. Maybe some of these folks here in Rome were part of the scattering that took place in Acts chapter eight. 
Uh, in Acts, uh, the, 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 Stephen was the first guy, the first Christian to be martyred. And it says after that in Acts chapter eight, that on that day, persecution broke out against the entire church and the entire church was scattered. So everybody left town, basically. Everybody's out of there, leaving town and going to, to different places. And maybe some of these folks are in Rome because they got scattered out of Jerusalem and are now in Rome. Maybe that's how come there's some Christians in Rome. Maybe probably there are some Christians in Rome because they were won to Christ by Paul on his other missions trips. Paul took three mission trips. He's on the third one now as he writes this letter. Uh, maybe some of those folks got saved in other parts of the world around the Mediterranean uh, Sea there, and they went back to Rome, or maybe they left the town that they used to live in and went to Rome on business or something. Because the reason I say that is because it, also in chapter 16, he mentions some of the folks that are in Rome by name. So he knows some people there. But we do know this. There are Christians in Rome. Even though Paul hasn't been there yet, there are Christians in Rome and they are meeting together. And it is a group of people with a very, very diverse background. Let me show you what I mean from the text. Uh, let's start at the beginning, Romans chapter one, verse one. It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus or Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. He's talking, this is the, the prophets and the Holy Scriptures talking about the Old Testament. And it's a, a constant theme in our church. If you've been here, the theme is this, the entire Bible, all the way back in the book of Genesis, the entire Bible points to Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul's saying right here. And then next verse, verse three, regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So he's making sure here to, to touch on the Jewish roots of Jesus out of the Old Testament as a descendant of David because many of the Christians in Rome had Jewish backgrounds. However, and this is where he kind of starts to thread the needle here, uh, verse five, through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles, that would be the non-Jewish folks, to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So lots of Gentiles are non-Jewish believers in the audience, in the church, in Rome as well. In fact, little history here. There was a point about eight years before this letter arrived in Rome uh, when the emperor, emperor Claudius had all the Jews kicked out of Rome. He kicked them all out. So there were uh, Christians who were from Jewish backgrounds who probably still look pretty Jewish, okay? Because we don't change what we look like necessarily when we get saved. We still look like kind of the same person, okay? And, and, and so a lot of those folks who were Christians now, not practicing Judaism anymore, they probably had to leave Rome when the Jewish folks got kicked out as well. So the church in Rome is now all Gentiles. So it's just Gentiles and Gentiles are leading the church. So you think about it, you got this church that used to be mainly Jewish folks with a few Gentiles. Now it's all Gentiles and they're leading the church and, and but it begins to grow. And, 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 and then, so, and then, and, and, and then Claudius passes away 
uh, that was in uh, 54 AD. And so that edict dies with Claudius. And so Jewish people start to migrate back into Rome and they start showing up. These Jewish Christians start showing up back at the church in Rome that now has Gentiles leading it and it's grown. Wow. And so uh, suddenly there's this very different composition in the church. And that, 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 that fact that I just described to you is an important fact to remember as we read through and as you read through uh, the book of Romans or the letter to the Romans, because it's going to help things make a lot more sense as we go. Verse seven. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So to all, everybody, all people. So again, Paul hasn't been to Rome yet, uh, but, th but this is, so, so this is different than any of the other letters he ever wrote. In the other letters, he, he, he had actually started the church, and then he spent some time in that church, and he leaves and he writes a letter back to that church. So this letter feels a little bit different. It's like... Um, it's like there's a difference when, when you text somebody that you know and when you text somebody that you don't know. Like if somebody who you, who you do know real well texts you this, this, uh, this long note and says something to you like, not gonna be able to make it, not gonna be able to do whatever it was you needed done. And, and you can just, you can reply to them when you know them just one letter. You can just put K, sin. And, and they get it. They're not offended by that. They just know that it's okay. Okay, uh, but if you don't know that person and they, they tell you something similar to that, if you don't know them, you can't, you, you feel like, at least I do, like you can't just do the one word, one letter reply. So you say something like this, oh, okay, smiley face, smiley face, smiley face. Thank you so much for your time. I will talk to you later. Uh, God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and I love you and uh, we will meet again. You know, you just can't say one letter. And, and am I right about that? So, so here we have, here we have uh, the Apostle Paul not knowing all the folks. And so he feels like he has to say everything. And guess who gets the benefit of that? We do. We get to hear it, which I love. So next question would be this. Next question when studying a book, when was it written? And the short answer is during Nero's, Nero's reign. Uh, at this time, Nero was the Caesar in Rome. Uh, the emperor Claudius is now dead. Nero is the new emperor in town and he's terrible. If you've read anything about his reign, then you know Christians were not exactly popular. The, the, the emperors uh, thought of themselves as gods. And so when Christians came worshiping the one true God, and they wouldn't repeat that Nero was Lord, uh, and, and instead would say, in, in place of that, Jesus is Lord. Well, they got killed. They got tortured. They got fed to lions. They got burned on lampposts. And it got worse and worse and worse. And that's something to keep in mind as we read through this verse, through, through this book. In fact, anytime somebody says to me, man, we Christians got it so bad in the United States. And, and, or, or right now, you know, it's so bad that they're not letting us meet together. We're being persecuted. I'm just thinking, you know what? I'm not being fed to a lion. I'm having a pretty good day. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the next question to ask when learning about a Bible book is why? Why was it written? And, and I've got a three-part answer for you here. I'll make it quick. One is to, uh, for Paul to introduce himself. 
Paul had never been to Rome, so people there didn't know him, so he's introducing himself. Another reason is he's inviting himself. He's, there's an invitation here. Um, he's not really inviting himself, but I, that's, it started with an I, and I wanted to keep all eyes right here. It's a pastor thing. But uh, he desperately wanted to go to Rome because he knew that he could take the gospel to a lot of, lots of people in that massive city. In fact, look at verses eight and following. Uh, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Let's stop right here for just a second. Uh, the church there already has a great reputation. This is pre-newspaper, pre-satellite, pre-internet, pre-5G, pre-TikTok. And yet the news of their faith is being talked about everywhere. I just want to say something. Uh, and this is to my church family. When somebody hears about our church, I'm hoping and praying that we are known, not for our multiple campuses or for thousands of people that go to our church or for being debt-free in 2020, please, Lord Jesus, <laughs> or for our student ministry or for our kids program or for our worship or for our teaching or for me. I hope that the thing that, that, that precedes us, the thing that people know us for is this, that we believe in Jesus Christ and his power to save. Somebody say amen if you're with me on that. Next verse here. Verse nine, God whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last by God's will, the way will be open for me to come to you. That's the invite I was talking about. Okay, so then the third reason why this letter was written is because of information. As you will discover in this series and in our 8 a.m. devotionals, Paul has a lot to tell these people on a variety of different subjects. Uh, and some of it controversial, as you will see on uh, Tuesday of this week. But uh, most of Paul's letters are divided into two major halves. And he wrote uh, 12 uh, he wrote 12 letters of the New Testament. And here's how they work normally. They start off in the front with doctrine. So the front side of the, of the letter, and this is not the book of Romans here. This is the entire Bible, but I'm using this as an example. So the first half uh, or the first part of the book would be doctrine. The second part of the book would be how to live out that doctrine. So here's, here's uh, the why and here's how. Okay, here, here's, here's what we believe, and then how, here's how we live those beliefs out. But if I was going to divide up the book of Romans, it would be like, okay, I'm, I'm just guessing here, and I'm, I'm exaggerating to make a point as well. It'd be like, man, there's a lot of doctrine in this. And then he gets to how to live it out, although we can figure out how to live it out as we go through the doctrine. But he's spending a lot of time uh, reviewing and clarifying uh, the, the meaning and basis of Christian living and how that all springs from salvation that's made possible only by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross and rising up from the dead. So he reiterates how we get saved, which brings us to the message of this letter, which I couldn't wait to get to. What's the main message of this letter to the Roman church? The main message is the gospel the main message and the message of Romans, and it can be found all through 
this book, all through this letter. We even saw in the first verse, if you don't remember, back in the first verse, Paul said, I am set apart from the gospel. That's the very first verse. He says, that's who I am. That's what I do. That's what I talk about. I talk about Jesus and what he did for us on the cross and his resurrection. And that's how we get saved. He's saying all the way in verse one, that's my life's mission. And then we get to verse 16 and we get the name for the series in verse 16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. And the reason that that's a big deal that the Apostle Paul can talk about that is this is the same message that got the Apostle Paul imprisoned and beat up and flogged and stoned and uh, run out of cities and eventually killed. He eventually got killed because he's preaching the gospel. And, uh, but he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. So let me give you some reasons why Paul says right here that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm gonna give these to you in first person, in first person, not in Paul person, in first person, because I want these things to be true in my life. I want these things to be true in my life and I want them to be true in your life as well. I want you to own this as well today. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to own the same reasons that Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. I want you to own them today, okay? So number one, if you're taking notes on your digital listening guide, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is good news. Because it is good news. That's literally what the word gospel means. It means good news. Every time you read the word gospel in the Bible, you can just substitute good news. It's good news because that's what it is. And we're not ashamed of good news. You think about it. If somebody came out with a cure for COVID-19 and then it started curing people like crazy and, and they say, hey, hey who, who invented this? This guy over here invented it. And you talk to him, he said, no, I don't want to talk about it. I'm ashamed of it. He wouldn't be ashamed of it or she wouldn't be ashamed of it. They'd be like, come on, man, this is good news. I wanna shout this from the rooftops. Give me a microphone because everybody needs to hear this. Good news needs to be shared. Good news is not something to be ashamed of. And this good news right here, the gospel of Jesus Christ is even, listen to me, better, it's even better than a cure for COVID-19. It's even better. Paul says, this good news can give somebody eternal life. This good news can save the human soul. It's unlike any other good news. He says, and I'm not ashamed of it, even if it costs me my life because it gives me eternal life. So it's good news. Second reason he said, I'm not ashamed because it is God's power. It's God's power. The good news is the power of God. Verse 16, again, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God, the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Now, Rome, to where this letter was sent to, Rome was all about power. And uh, you can see many examples of that. Just watch some, some movies about the Roman Empire. It's crazy how much they were in the power. Now, Rome had the largest army the world had ever seen at that point. Uh, their, their kingdom was massive. Their territory was massive. It was the superpower of the ancient world. Uh, the Colosseum was a showcase of this power and uh, a bloodlust. It had seating for 45,000 people in the Colosseum. In fact, we got it on our, our logo for this series. This is the Colosseum over here. The, the seating for 45,000 people, standing room for 20,000 more. 
in one series of games, as they called them, uh, 5,000 people were slaughtered in one series of games. 5,000 people were slaughtered. 10,000 animals were slaughtered. It was a constant show of brutal power in Rome. And the Christians felt it more and more as they were, as they were persecuted and fed the lions and, and soaked in tar and then put on lampposts for the madman Nero. But Paul says, hey guys, there's something more powerful, something more powerful. And that is the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. Now that word power right there <clears throat> comes from the Greek word dunamis, dunamis dunamis, which uh, is where we get our word dynamite. So the gospel is like the dynamite of God into salvation. You think, wow, man, this message, this good news, this gospel is the absolute power of God. Now, we, we, we think of God's power as like uh, being like a hurricane. We see a hurricane, we're like, wow, man, the wind is so bad. It's so forceful and it blew everything down. And it's, it's the power of God. No, that's a hurricane. That's a hurricane. Now, God made the world and God made the weather to happen, but that's not, that's not even a, a little bit of God's power or a thunderstorm. Wow, just say a lightning power of God. Well, how about this? How about this? God's power is shown most when someone who thinks they cannot change hears about the love that Jesus Christ has for them and they accept what Jesus Christ did for them and they thought they couldn't change and yet suddenly everything changes. That's the power of God. That's the dynamite of God. Somebody who's caught in sin, covered up by sin, who thinks they'll never be free from sin, and, and, and yet they reach out to God in a moment of faith, and they say, God, you gotta help me. Please, Lord, if you're real, will you please help me? And, and God does what God does, and he shows up, and he helps that person. It's like the dynamite of God blows away that... That, uh, that, that covering of sin that's on that person's life and gives him freedom. That's the power of God on display. And I have seen it. And I have experienced it. And if you've experienced it, give me an amen there in the comments. It's awesome, isn't it? And then the third reason, third reason Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is freely given. Because it is freely given. This is something that is given freely by God. Verse 16, again, for, the, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because of the power of God that, give, that brings salvation to everyone, everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. By the way, this last phrase here, first to the Jew, is not talking about exclusivity. It's talking about chronologically, it went to the Jewish folks first and then to the Gentiles as we see there in Rome. And we're gonna hear that phrase a few times as we read through the book of Romans, but that's what it means, okay? So anyone, 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 anyone who believes in Jesus Christ can experience the gospel, the power of the gospel in their lives, even like a, a Dallas Cowboys fan, man. Uh, because, because God does not discriminate. He doesn't discriminate. He loves everybody. And I love you too, man. I love all of our cowboy fans. Uh, let's back up a couple of verses to see how we got to here. Okay, remember where we are here for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. So let's go up to verse 14 to show how we get to here. Verse 14 says, 
Paul says, I'm obligated both to Greeks and to non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. So he knows there's all kinds of people in Rome. So he says, I'm obligated. There's all kinds of people there. I want to get there. I'm eager to get there to preach the gospel. But he says, he uses this word right here, which is kind of unusual. He says, I'm obligated. I'm obligated. That means in debt. Why was Paul in debt to these people who he had never met before? Well, real quick, there's two ways to be in debt. One way is like, like this. If I borrow money from you, I'm in debt to you. I owe you that money back. But here's another way for me to be in debt to you. If somebody gives me something that is yours, that really belongs to you, some money or something else that they want me to give to you and they know I'm going to see you, so they give it to me and, and they want me to give it to you. Now I'm standing in front of you. Let's just say I got whatever it is in my pocket and I'm standing right in front of you. I am in debt to you. I am in debt because I got what it belongs to you in my pocket, okay? And just let me tell you something. If I don't give you that thing, whatever it is, if I have what is yours and I keep it, that's a crime. Now, Paul says, I'm in debt. Let me think about it this way. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. Paul says, I've been entrusted with something and I'm in debt to share it with other people. Church family, we have been given something awesome by God. And that is the salvation of our souls. That is the message of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel, the power of God. And there comes along with that message and expectation that we won't keep it, but that we're going to share it with other people, okay? Freely you have received, freely give. Then number four, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it gets people right with God. It gets people right with God. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of it because it's the only way that people can get where they need to be in their relationship with God, with a perfect God, all right? So verse 17 says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God has revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So by faith in the good news of what Jesus did for us, we can have the righteousness of God on our lives. You think about it. This is, how, this is how imperfect people, and we are all imperfect. Got any imperfect people in church today? Any imperfect people? Yeah, this is how imperfect people get to heaven because it's not based on what we've done. It's based on what Jesus Christ has done for us and his righteousness, and his righteousness is bestowed upon us when we put our faith in what Jesus Christ did for us. So Jesus Christ goes to the cross with our sins, but he bestows on us his righteousness. And then someday when we're standing at the pearly gates and, and, and God looks down at us, he doesn't see our imperfections. He doesn't see our sin. All he sees is the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. And he says, come on in, man. I'm telling you something. There's no other way to get into heaven. Only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus. But I want to tell you something today, you can get to heaven because of Jesus, because of Jesus, because of Jesus, because of him and what he did for us, we can get right with God. Then, last one from the text, and then I got one of my own I'm going to add. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's so simple. It's so simple. We get, we get the gospel one way. And here it is. And this is the key. If you want this, if you don't have salvation today, 
if you want forgiveness for your sins, if you want a new start today, and if you're ready, here's how you get the good news applied to your life, how you get the righteousness of God. Here's how you get it. By faith in Jesus. By faith in Jesus. Let me read you verse 17 once again, this time from another translation. I'm gonna read it from the New American Standard Bible. It says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. How is it revealed? From faith to faith. I'm thinking that this is an indicator of how the gospel spreads, much like the virus spreads. (laughs) Oh, bad example. But it spreads from person to person. So you think about it. You have faith today because somewhere in your life, somebody else had faith and and it spread from them to you. you. You got it through interaction with them and they got it from somebody else, from somebody else's faith and they got it from somebody else's faith and they got it from somebody else's faith and 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 from somebody else's faith. And you could go back all the way back, even though we're having church in Texas or wherever you're from today, you can keep going back from faith to faith to faith to faith till you got to Israel a long time ago, 2000 years ago, and someone had an encounter with Jesus Christ. From faith to faith is how it spreads. And so here we are, even though we're socially distanced right now from everybody else, what can happen right now is that your faith, my faith can spread to other people. Your faith in the comments can spread to other people because that's how the good news spreads, guys that Jesus loves people, that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for their sins, and that he overcame the power of sin by rising up from the dead. And anyone, anyone, any skin color, any background, any sin sickness, anyone can have salvation through his name. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now I got one more, and it's a personal one, and I don't have a slide for it because I'm not the Apostle Paul, so I don't get a slide. But I'm just gonna add this one to Paul's list. So far we have, uh, I'm not ashamed because it's good news, it's God's power, it's freely given, it gets people right with God, and it's so simple, okay, so simple. Then here's mine. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he wasn't ashamed of me. He wasn't ashamed of me. While I was still in my sins, he loved me. He gave his life for me and he saved me. Even when I wasn't thinking about him that much, you know, even when I was going my own way, he cared about me. He went to the cross for me so that on that day when I finally woke up and understood it, he was already ready for me. He was already waiting for me. He wasn't ashamed of me. And I've said this before, but he wasn't wasn't in love with the future version of me. He was in love with me, a sinner. Therefore, I will never be ashamed of the gospel because Jesus was not ashamed of me. Somebody say amen. All right, now normally what I would do in a worship service 
is, uh, you know, if, 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 if this was a normal day, I'd say, okay, there's prayer partners down at the front of all of our campuses. Come on down, man. You need prayer today? Come on down. You need to make a decision for Christ today? Come on down. If you don't know Jesus and you want to know him today, come on down. But I can't do that, obviously. So I, I need a way for folks to connect. And here's what we're going to do today. If uh, you need prayer today, you can text prayer to 642123, 642123. And when you do that, you're going to get a message back that's going to have, I think, two options. And one is if, if you want to accept Christ today or you are accepting Christ today as your Lord and Savior. The other is uh, if you need prayer. You can click on that link if you need prayer. The other, like I said, is if you're accepting Christ today. But I just want to, I want to get real with you here. Some of you need a new life. You need a new life. Some of you need to start over. Some of you have been living on your own power, doing your own thing. You need Jesus. You need Jesus, man. And it's time to accept the gospel. And I'm going to pray a prayer for all of us, but in the middle of my prayer, I'm just going to throttle back. And if you want to know Jesus today, if you want his power in your life, if you want his forgiveness in your life, if you want to start over today, then I'm going to ask you in just a moment, and I'll tell you when, but I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And uh, so let's all bow our heads, close our eyes, no matter where we are. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the power of this simple message of your son to change people's lives. And for the one who's caught in sin today, I pray that you would break them free with the dynamite, with the power of your gospel. And... Uh, uh, every head bowed, every eye closed. If, if that's you today, if, if you're listening today and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, I just want you right now to pray out loud with me. Pray out loud with me. Just say, Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my heart. Give me salvation by the power of the gospel. Amen. Okay, with every head bowed and every eye closed still, if you're, if you're making that decision today, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that you'll text us in just a moment. I'll have that number on the screen again for you. But just let us know. Let us know because we want to celebrate with you. Lord, uh, watch over us, God. Heal us. Protect us. Give wisdom to our leaders, Lord, as I pray every single day, God. And, and watch over my church family and everybody who's, who's joining us today. Watch over us, Lord. And I, and I pray all of this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus, and all the people said, amen. All right, so tomorrow, 8 a.m. devotional. I hope that you will join us. Um, once again, we'll leave this up on the screen for just a few moments for those who do need prayer and for those who are making a decision. Please don't hesitate to do this. We want to help all the folks out that need help today and need prayer today, all right? So God bless you guys. I love you so much, and I'll see you tomorrow morning, bright and early, 8 a.m. God bless. If you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.